This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. And today I've got a guest called Cecile. She's lovely, bubbly, vibrant, and irrepressible. She's been part of Patterson Program Support, now called Rheumatoid Support for a long period of time where she inspires others with overcoming not just challenges with her inflammatory arthritis, but all sorts of external pressures that we all face in life from different social work and uh, all sorts of uh, areas. So she is an incredible human being, and I've invited her on several episodes so that we can compartmentalize several topics that are really important that she has got some great insights about. And so Prior to recording, we've listed some really important topics that we're going to cover over the next several episodes of the podcast. And today we're going to meet Cecile. She's in the Netherlands. She's going to talk about how, first of all, she developed this disease and and uh, and worked through some of the challenges with the disease and talk in with focus around prednisone. It's such a uh, both a great drug for giving you instant pain relief and a lot of pain relief but it also can have a lot of serious side effects when it's used long-term. So prednisone and Cecile's story is what we're going to focus on in this episode. So Cecile, thanks so much all the way from the Netherlands. How are you today? Hi, good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it's really a pleasure to be there and, uh, and to be the one on the podcast. On the podcast that's a lot. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing very good. I already had my uh, Bikram yoga session this morning, already biked around 20 kilometers, so I'm all good. Oh, that's excellent. Gosh, you've uh, certainly got your exercise uh, duties up for the day. Well done. Thank you. And now let's let's hear about your experience. How did all this play out for you, and how did you end up on this love-hate drug called prednisone? So walk us through and get us to that point, and then let's let's talk about in detail on this episode how you got off that drug, because so many folks are stuck on it. They don't know what to do because every time they lower it just a tiny amount, more inflammation returns. Their doctors seem comfortable to keep them on it because maybe nothing, no other drug seems to work. I really want us to get into that. So lead us through your story and into the prednisone period of your, of your life. Sure. Um, so for me, it started in 2017. I was going through a lot of personal stress. Uh, I was going through a, a divorce. And uh, it started with one knee. One morning was so big, I just could not even walk on it. It was so painful. I saw my GP who sent me to, um, to get an injection in the knee. They did some x-ray, couldn't see what was going on, got a, the injection, and I could walk the next day. Of course, as I knew after a prednisone injection in the joint. The next month, the other knee. The month after that, the foot. And then one night, maybe two weeks after the foot. So every time injection, so I could just go on. But we had no clue what was going on. We took x-ray. I got MRI. Nothing was showing up except a big, big inflammation in the joint. And one night, I heard 
scream. So I wanted to get up to go and see whose kids was having a nightmare. And actually, I could not get up because I was the one screaming in my seat of pain on my shoulder. So I first came, went to my GP right after that, telling her I was expecting it was rheuma, uh, rheumatoid arthritis because I have two persons in my family who have it. And I researched a bit and it looked very like what they had. But she was sure it was not rheumatoid arthritis because it was not uh, symmetrical. Hmm. But a week after, I came back to her with both my hands, red and uh, double volume. And I was like, okay, now symmetrical enough for you. Hmm. <laughs> so she sent me to the uh, rheumatologist and right away we did the, all the needed tests and we knew very fast it was rheumatoid arthritis. At the time, of course, I just went where my GP sent me and I didn't think too much about choosing a rheumatologist. So I was, let's say, faced with the usual uh, behavior in those cases. So I've been told when we had the results, okay, you have this disease, this can only get worse. Maybe we can contain the progression for quite some time, but you need chemotherapy and prednisone. For how long? Well, for the rest of your life. Mm. I was really in shock first to be confirmed to have this disease, but also with the attitude of the rheumatologist who was basically telling me, there's nothing you can do for yourself. You're going to take, uh, you're going to take drugs that, that, are, that are going to save your joints, of course, but have also effects which can be lethal. And just accept it and just go with that. And every question I had was dismissed. So every question about the methotrexate was, but do you want to walk? Huh. Yes, sure. <laughs> so it was really difficult at first to, to, to navigate because every time I came with questions or uh, I, I was very clearly annoying the rheumatologist. One even told me, you know, I'm so tired with patients like you. Why can't you just take the meds, take the meds and, and, and that's it. I just accept it. So that was, that was a pretty hard time, of course. Mm, yes. And the, the usual approach, uh, med- medication-wise, in Netherlands at least, is to start people on a low dose of methotrexate, a very high dose of prednisone, around 30 milligrams a day, and slowly over usually 8 to 12 weeks, increase the methotrexate to the maximum, which is here 25 milligrams a week, and decrease the, the prednisone somewhere between 5 and 10, depending on patients. And the doctors don't see any reason to lower it if everything's okay. Mm, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I once described that as a, as a prednisone bridge, where you're bridging the you know, methotrexate until it begins to work. But, uh, but that bridge can lead to a road, and that road can lead you to the highway to hell. So exactly. the, problem is, the problem is that you don't know how much of your improvements when you're on those, the pair of drugs is coming from the methotrexate as it goes up in dosage versus the prednisone. And when you know that the prednisone works and it's addictive and it develops the, you develop this emotional dependence on it, the, you know, what, eight, eight weeks or whatever that you're meant to be on it can sometimes turn into eight months or years, can't it? It, it turned into two years for me, actually. <laughs> so, that's it, exactly. exactly. Right, right. So. Yeah. Because first I refused to, um, I, I tried to go to the maximum methotrexate at first. And I just, 
I just couldn't go with that at first because um, when I reached 25 milligrams, I had this brain fog, which was, it was impossible for me to function. I already had a huge fatigue. I didn't know if it was, of course, the, the, the disease or the methotrexate or both, because that can happen. But then suddenly this brain fog and I just could not understand my job. I would forget everything. I really felt in another dimension. And I told my rheumatologist, I, I, just, I just cannot live with that. that. That's not an option. So we lowered the methotrexate back to 20. And this is when, of course, the rheumatologist said, oh, okay, but if you do that, you don't touch the prednisone and you stay at 10. So that was the first reason not to touch the prednisone and to keep it pretty high, even for the, 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 standard, the standards here. So basically, I stayed with that for one year and a half. It was not definitely not perfect, especially because it took me a very long time before I realized that I could maybe try something else on parallel to all this, another approach. Um, so it, I stayed basically with those, those two medications until December 2018. And then I had a, a lot of stress again. I was uh, moving again, buying a house. And the day after my final move, I, went, I was in so much pain, really, as exactly when, before being diagnosed for a few weeks. And then my rheumatologist told me, unfortunately, it seems that the methotrexate enough is not working anymore. Uh, the methotrexate alone, sorry, with the, the prednisone. So this is when I've been started on Embro together with methotrexate, but on a lower dose of methotrexate at first. And Embro kicked in within uh, two or three weeks. So I was pretty lucky on that side. And this whole time you're on prednisone? Yes. Mm, okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the beginning, I did not even know a reason to, to quit prednisone because yeah. my doctor told me it was safe. <laughs> yeah. Less side effect than methotrexate. Um, so for them, it's a medication which you can easily go on with without any problem. Mm. Uh, plus, I didn't go through the usual side effect of the prednisone because a few months after I started the prednisone, I changed all my um, nutrition and I lost 30 kilos. So, of course, I didn't have any of the weight issue that many people go through. So my doctor was pretty happy to keep me on sorry, prednisone for as long as needed. Yes, so you didn't get the moon yeah. face issues and the, no. the crazy can't stop eating issues. What about the sleepless yeah. nights? Did you have big heartbeats, yeah. sleepless nights? Terri- terrible. Terrible, right. I, okay. Yeah, I could sleep until 4 o'clock in the morning and right. every Every night, four o'clock or three o'clock, I would wake up and impossible to sleep again. So it's really exhausting on the on the long run. Well, I think it's yeah. worth just jumping in at this point. And there might be some people watching or listening to this thinking, but what's the big deal? Like you're trying to focus on prednisone in this episode, but like I'm taking that drug and my doctor tells me the same thing. Why are we trying to accelerate the efforts on that drug and not the methotrexate or the Enbrel? Why are we focused on prednisone? Yeah. In my experience, I can see before and after because I spent two years on prednisone. Mm -hmm. When I was on prednisone and I was doing everything else by the book, so what I mean is I was really putting a lot of effort on my nutrition, on my sports, and on my um, stress management. I was also working at the time uh, a lot on my mental health because I was 
yeah, uh, yeah, I had a depression, but <laughs> lots of reason, of course, for depression. Um, and I, so also this, this tiredness issue caused by the, the sleepless nights. And I, I could never feel in my body any healing. I could feel improvement, of course, you know, when you, when you go to big hub and you can see you do more and you measure your pain and you measure your stiffness. But there was never a point where I could feel, hey, wow, I can take much more of that than before. Or, so I could never see an improvement in the situation of what my body could take, actually, about uh, even if it was uh, more stress or no, nothing, nothing was better apart, of course, the management of the symptoms. When I finally managed to stop the prenison because I had to try three times to get there, <laughs> I, I would say after three weeks, the change was absolutely amazing. First, my mood. Uh, when I could see when I was really tapping the prenison for the first time, I, when I was finally successful, the first weeks without prenison were very hard for my mental health. I had very dark thoughts. Happily, I knew it was about the prenison, so I could manage it and just hang in there knowing that it was just a phase and the next day would be better. Mm-hmm. But that was very important. And then when I was finally after, I would say, three weeks, I realized that I could sleep again. And that was huge. <laughs> finally, having to use an alarm, that was that was really amazing. <laughs> so I could sleep. I, I didn't have these, those bad thoughts. I felt, it's very strange, but I felt like a, a weight was taken out of my mind. Like something was really constantly weighting me down and it was gone. And after a few more weeks, how I felt in my body was absolutely incredible. Not only I had this crazy energy, because people talk a lot about that. You know, when you move uh, from a regular diet to plant-based, whole food plant-based, or when people start the diet part of the Patisson program, everybody talks about energy, a boost of energy. And I was always like, I have no clue what you're talking about because I don't have that. And suddenly it was there, but to the point where I was biking nine kilometers to my Bikram Yoga, doing one hour and a half session, biking back another nine kilometers and still finding myself, okay, I cannot see it. I need to bike some more. So I'm going to go in the woods and bike two hours and then I will maybe be okay. My, my, my kids were tired of me. They were like, Mom, please give us a break. No, we don't go to there and that. No, stop. <laughs> so that, that was really uh, a huge, huge difference. And then slowly, you know, we, we, during the summer, I was traveling a lot. So there were moments where I could not be exactly perfect in my diet. I was very strict with my exercise and my stress and my sleep. Because I was doing big ham yoga everywhere I could by myself because there was no studio around. And I was doing that daily when I was on holidays. But then, you know, I visited a friend in the south of France who was growing himself his tomatoes. Was, oh, it's two years I didn't eat tomatoes and I can't stomach it. But you know what? It's okay. I, I'm sorry. I need those tomatoes. So I had a big plate of garden homegrown tomatoes and it was absolutely delicious. And I had absolutely zero symptoms. Mm-hmm. Which, which was amazing to me. I didn't try that again because I thought, okay, maybe that was also the special ones because they are from the garden, no, no pesticides, nothing. But that was amazing to feel that. And then I started to see that 
I could have nuts once in a while. Mm. Maybe not every day for sure, but I could have something like that once in a while. So it was really feeling so, so good. And I, I really had this feeling that there was some progress going on, that there was some healing happening. I never, ever felt that at any point when I was under prednisone. And for me, this, this prednisone is really some, some days, well, yeah, when you need to stop hurting because you are in so much pain, there's nothing working and you just need a break just for the inflammation to go down and f- to take over control again mm-hmm. and to give time for, so another drug can help you. I mean, prednisone is, is magic. It's perfect. It's, it's life saving. But this cannot be a long-term drug. That's the problem with most doctors. They don't. They see how fast it works and are so happy with it that they don't see any problem staying on with that. Yeah, if your only focus is on symptom reduction at no other, with no other consideration, then obviously it's a ten out of ten. But yeah. where the delicacy lies is with the long-term strategy of we're trying. If we're trying to heal our gut and be healthier, and to have less symptoms long-term, then the strategy that I work with with people when I look at their current situation, and we've got the drugs, the diet, the stress, the supplements, the exercise, okay, we look at these things and we say, how do we sort of, how are we doing in each category? If I see someone's on prednisone, then that becomes the focus. Our focus yeah. is have to get off that drug. And and again, the, the, the emphasis is on that because of exactly what you've described. The prednisone prevents the healing. It prevents all of the other efforts that we're putting in to having the amount of grip or, or leverage that we need over the disease. So it causes more leaky gut. It has an ability to make the results of our food testing unpredictable. So instead of having consistent days, one day for some reason, you know, a food that was previously eaten successfully seems to aggravate the body again for people who are on the steady dose of prednisone. And these two things alone are enough to to make it a real obstacle to to healing. So we've got leaky gut and we've got unpredictable days. And we want the opposite. We want to heal our gut and we want consistent, steady, repeatable days like Groundhog Day so that we can then test other things other than the foods even. And so it, it really becomes, for me, the, the number one first major milestone when working with someone is to get off that drug, but not at the cost yeah. of more pain coming back. Just as your rheumatologist with the right intentions right at the beginning it should only be you know, removed if the inflammation suppression that it provides can be substituted with something less harmful. And in, that could be exercise, that could be the dietary changes, and even if you're on a good diet can be improved further. That could be with stress reduction, it could be with some seriously strong natural pain reduction uh, uh, supplements, or it could be, in many cases, all of those things and... Yes. <laughs> a, a disease-modifying drug like methotrexate yeah. or a biologic like Enbrel. People use the phrase, I'm only on five milligram of prednisone, that's all I'm taking. Well, my response <laughs> is, well, you're in a lot of trouble because if you're on that as your major, if that is the strategy that you have for your disease, you will have this disease at the same or more level in the future. In 12 months from now, it'll be the same or worse. 
and then it'll get worse and worse and worse because the prednisone makes your gut worse and provides you with an inability to heal. So we have to, it's a shock for a lot of people who think they're in inverted commas only on prednisone that five milligram a day of prednisone is probably the pain reduction equivalent of about 20 milligram a week of methotrexate. That's probably yep. a, I mean, if you think of it in terms of pain suppression, it's probably, yeah, it's probably something like that. And so they, so they're basically already on a very strong anti-inflammatory medication and one that is going to cause them to slide. And so we need to be looking at all of those other options that I just mentioned a moment ago. And, you know, when you introduce the Enbrel, at the top of the methotrexate, and that's where you're up to in your story, at this point, we all want to hear next that that was enough for you to, to flip it, which it was. You were able to get off it. And we're going to talk about how you did it now, because even that, even it's such a difficult drug to get off that even the yeah. methotrexate and the Enbrel doesn't mean that you can just stop taking it and feel great, right? Definitely not. No. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about that. Let's <laughs> talk about that. Definitely. So the good thing was the Embrel kicked in pretty fast. So I was given the confidence that it was working because, of course, when you start a new medication, you're always worried that maybe it's not going to do anything for you. So this one was working. And I did learn in the past how difficult it was to, to, to get off because I tried that one twice before then. Once the very stupid way, you know, like, oh, I'm going to start the Panison program. Yeah, let's stop Panison three days before. Just, oh, no, what, not working. But you stopped it right before. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, like a, that's like one of my first things in the book is like, do not stop medications before Don't you start. That. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, like that. yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so then... What I so I discussed with my rheumatologist because he knew I was really adamant about stopping it. And in the meantime, I found a rheumatologist who knows one thing or two about lifestyle medicine and who is really supporting my actions. And he's always so happy to see me try anything he would suggest, which is not medication, even if I totally trust him on medication. Mm -hmm. I often, well, I, I would say I always follow his advice on medication because I know he has the same point of view as me. So all drugs that can help us are absolutely amazing because they give us room to mm -hmm. heal. Mm -hmm. And that's his approach to when people are okay to follow it. So basically the idea then was to taper very slowly. So I would taper the challenge in Netherlands. We only have five milligrams pill for, for prednisone. So you cannot taper one milligram at a time. That's just not an option. So we decided to go 2.5 milligrams at a time. I honestly tried even to source abroad one milligram pills, but then it would be out of Europe and it was so difficult to get it in that I didn't go for that. So uh, we decided to go by 2.5 milligrams. So the idea was to take seven weeks to taper 2.5 milligrams. So the first week, Six days with the high dose, one day with the low dose. Second week, five days with the high dose, two days with the low dose, and so on. And the week when there is nothing is where we only have the low dose is repeated twice. And then we start again with 2.5 milligrams less as the low dose. Mm -hmm. 
So it took, uh, I was at 7.5 milligrams when we started, so it took quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I could feel very slowly when I was reducing a little bit increase of pain, but nothing that would really worry me much. So I was just trying to go more to become yoga, be more cautious with my sleep, uh, with my stress management, be more strict with my diet, maybe cut back a thing or two that I was not sure about. So I, I was pretty confident I would do it without any problem, and it looked really good. When I finally arrived the week when I didn't take any more prednisone, this is when I understood my pain. <laughs> because then it was, it was really, I think it's the worst thing I ever had to do. My pain went so high so fast. And I was still using, of course, Embrel and Metotrexat. Mm. Nothing changed there. Mm-hmm. But my, my pain really increased a lot everywhere. It was, it was absolutely crazy. I was really scared. And at the same time, my mental health really started to worry me. <laughs> I was experimenting a lot of sleep issue, and I was experimenting also a lot of very, very dark thoughts. Mm. Again, I knew that would be likely to happen. So it was easier to just acknowledge and let it be there and not just not act on it but it was it was definitely scary and this is the time times like that is when you really need to have the right support around you um i mean you're still fresh i mean i think when it comes to something like a divorce fresh is still like two or three years i mean it's just such a massive intervention and 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 severance in your life that i mean there's still residual pain from that and disruption from that um but i remember when you were going through this and ellen one of our uh much-loved members within rheumatoid support, uh, she made it clear. She said, this is the devil's drug. When you try and get off it, it will mess with your mind in ways that you can't imagine. So you need to know that this will pass and know that you'll adjust. And all those dark thoughts and stuff, it's real, you know, it's real and it's dangerous. And so, you know, you got to dig deep to get through that, don't you? And it really helped me to be on the forum for that because then I knew I, w- I, I could have the support and experience of other people telling me, you're right, that's the prednisone, so don't let it in. Just just see it there, but just move on because that's the prednisone, it's going to stop. So that's really very important to to realize and hear it and, and realize, okay, it's, I'm not going crazy yeah. or if I am, it's temporary. That's nice. <laughs> And then I thought, what is the most extreme thing I can do? Because this is so tough. This is so hard. That's really the worst ever I've been when I was in, in with the rheumatoid arthritis. So mm-hmm. what are the most extreme measures I could take? And I could think of two. One was, okay, let's go to Bikram five days a week. Yeah. So even if I have to go there crawling, let's go. And the second one was intermittent fasting with only raw, raw vegan yeah. food. So really not even the baseline because there is, so basically the baseline, but without any cooked food. Yep. And, yep. and with some fruits that I was uh, lucky to, to stomach. So I, I can always eat like banana, blueberries and strawberries. Those three ones are my life saviors and I can always eat that. So it was this and a lot of salads and that's all I would eat. And I would eat once a day. A lot, yeah, of course. Just once a day, <laughs> yeah. Just once a day and, and, and with crazy big ham schedule. And, of course, biking there mm. when, I, when I could bike. Some days I just could not and I had to take the tram, but most of the time I could bike. And 
it was honestly the three hardest week of my life. And after really about after three weeks, suddenly the pain was really fading away, but almost almost at once compared to the pain release I could experiment in the past with with you know with meds, etc. It really melted in a few days. Mm. So the pain mel- melting away, this this energy burst that I was it was so much that it even scared me a bit <laughs> yeah. because it was really huge. People around me were scared because they saw me in a bad state, definitely. They knew I was, uh, as they say, playing with my meds, even if I was not self-medicating. But they were worried for me, concerned for me, because for most people, no, that's not a solution to kill yourself at sports and then eat almost nothing and just once a day. That, that cannot be the solution. And then and now you're a bit crazy and you are always jumping all over the place. What's going on? Oh yeah, there's no doubt about it that uh, when we when we take it to the extreme, we get some funny looks and some yeah. funny comments yes. and and concerns. There's no doubt about it. As soon as you go raw vegan and do what you described, that's that's when it happens the most. That's when the comments start yeah. coming and the concern looks. And I went through that, as you know, I did eight months of raw because the baseline foods, as we know them from the start of the Patterson program. I couldn't eat anything without extreme pain. And in hindsight, I was probably under-medicated, right? So I should have probably been on more meds because if you can't eat the basic quinoa and buckwheat and salads without being in a lot of pain, you're not on enough or the right medications. That's just not good. So so I was, was, uh, instead of bumping up the Medicaid, I went raw as well. And for me, that enabled me to stay on the same medications. I did Bikram yoga every day, just as you described. So you and I found the same solution to a serious problem, which is high inflammation, you know, not wanting to go and do further medications and so forth. And it's a temporary thing. You know, yeah. someone asked me, why don't you why don't you make the start of the program completely raw? Because I don't want to worry about people who are doing it. I want it to be nutritionally sound and 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 <laughs> calorically complete for a person and their daily needs. I don't because raw is just too extreme to be a program. But Definitely. can we do it if we're up for the challenge on an individual basis just because we're trying to get through a difficult time? In the same yeah. way, intermittent fasting is not a long-term sustainable program. Is it effective? Most definitely. Um, and so doing raw vegan, lots of juicing and stuff, it's like, an, it's like a fasting intervention. It's extreme. It gets tremendous short-term results but it's not a long-term thing. But can it be effective? Just like it's effective to take a prednisone pill from time to yeah, yeah. that's effective too. And and as we're discovering and sharing in this episode, it shouldn't be a sustainable long-term approach. So yeah, so well done. You got through this tough, tough period and the mental challenges and everything, and came out the other side through a last battle. It's almost like the climax or the finale of a movie where you're yeah. up against the you're up against the devil dragon and it doesn't want to go down without that last fight it wants to hang in there and swing and 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 the hero or the heroine has to pull out everything she knows and she's got to go to the really to her extreme levels to be able to defeat the, the evil prednisone yeah. devil yeah yeah and i add so the funny thing was I had still some pills of prednisone left 
And I was really debating at first, should I throw them away or not? And one day I thought, come on, that, that's stupid because if you are dying or in your living room, I mean, yeah. you still need something just to go to the hospital. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, okay, I'm going to keep just a few in, in the closet. And But when I was going through these, you know, I knew they were there and there was like, oh, maybe that's the solution. So maybe just one is just, no, you know, it's not. <laughs> but you really have this, this, you know, your brain playing those tricks on you because, because yeah, that's an addiction like, like many others. And you're like, maybe just one. Maybe it's not so bad if I just take 2.5 and, you know, just for yeah. one day more. And it's like, huh. Well, you, I know exactly how it would have ended if I would just take one. Yeah. yeah. I, that, I would just be back on it right away. And there was no, that was not an option anymore. And also I was lucky because my, um, my rheumatologist supported me and I explained what I was about to do. And he thought it was, he knew it was a good thing to do. He's the one actually who introduced me to intermittent fasting. Your rheumatologist introduced that, that you to kind of doctor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so, um, so I want to emphasize this point because we're going to have some of our audience say, "Well, you know, maybe you were negligent by stopping the prednisone. Clearly, you needed to stay on that because as soon as you stopped it, you were in all this pain." But I think the point that we're trying to make here, or the experience that you're sharing which is consistent to what I've seen with other people, is that there is a whip in the tail that you experience when you come off the prednisone. But when your rheumatologist is on board and you've, you've got these other very strong drugs in your, in your plan already with the Enbrel and the methotrexate, that if you can get past that sting in the tail, that whiplash at the end when you come off it, that the grass is greener afterwards and that it can be done and that once you achieve that and overcome that hurdle, that it therefore becomes easier with everything after that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, because I could really see after that, uh, for example, you know, if I had some stress again that I did not manage so good, of course, I could feel it, but not with the same extent as before when I was with prednisone. Mm. And a setback can always happen if you yeah, have some issues with your diet or if you have some issues with stress, etc., or issues going to sport. But the length of the, the setback, the duration, is way shorter now that I'm not on prednisone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I recover much faster. Mm-hmm. It's really, really impressive. It's, it's a huge difference. So that's for me that that's really also showing me how important it was to get off. Mm. And my um, I was really closely monitored by my rheumatologist because he knew it was a, a tough time and he's very available for me. He would react within 24 hours to emails. Mm, so that's great. I'm very lucky. Mm. <laughs> and uh, he gave me, so when I told him about my plan, he said, good, I give you one month to see if it's working. Yeah. So if, if you see you don't have improvement in one month, we need to discuss again another another plan about medication. Yeah. I said, if you see improvement in one month, I know you will want to stay with the raw vegan and um, very strong intermittent fasting for a while. But please, let's say three, four months maximum just to really settle and be confident that everything is okay. But then... You need to go back to more normal food mm. and and yeah. have a normal intake again because this is not the long term. Yeah. And he was right 
in the way that, you know, once it's working and it feels so good, mm. you don't want to take any risk anymore. I didn't want to try any food because I, ah, I'm good. Thanks. I don't need, <laughs> mm. I feel so good. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to risk anything. So it mm. was another, another step to get out of this stage where I was really saying, no, I don't want to try anything. I'm good there. I don't, I want to stay there and I'm not changing anything. So after three, four months, I could reintroduce already quinoa and uh, buckwheat without without an issue. But it was more a mindset for me to say, okay, I am fully sure now that I'm really on a healing path. Um, so now I can move on and I can start again to build it up slowly, but build it up also. It was needed also with winter because I don't think I could have done again the raw vegan in uh, in our well, very absolutely. cold Dutch winter, that's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, it's also good for audience to understand that you and I talked about recording this topic and, and your situation some months ago, and we both agreed that it was suitable to wait until you were back onto more of a conventional platform of foods and just more stable because it's hard to relate if someone's listening to this who is eating more broadly and exercising less extreme and wanting to get off their prednisone, it, it would be easy to dismiss this as too radical. And so yeah. we wanted to wait until you're back onto regular, or at least regular in our community, Patterson Program <laughs> <Yes>. community, um, <laughs> Regular foods, a more diverse cooked and raw plant-based diet that meets your nutritional and calorie needs. And so whilst it still may seem a little bit, a little extreme if you're eating a Western diet, it's by no means extreme for people who are familiar to eating a plant-based diet. And, you know, and so the message is that you, you suitably got a support of more conventional rheumatoid arthritis medications to enable yeah. you to get off the giant destructive painkiller that should not be taken long term. The, it had a huge kickback effect as you finally stopped taking that, that steroid, but you hung in there and you did some short-term hardcore interventions with your exercise and your diet to really clear out that that the impact of that. And as a result, you're on the other side of that hill and now you're able to eat in a way that will enable you to heal without the negative effect of the prednisone, the steroid, and, and that life now can and has already improved tremendously and that you're now on a path. And I know this sounds like uh, like uh, a little dramatic, but really now you can actually just begin your healing journey because all those two years that you're on that steroid, you're spinning your wheels, you're pedaling, but yeah. there's no chain on that bike. You're just going nowhere. Nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> and so finally, finally now you don't have someone holding the hands behind your back as you're being punched. You can now swing and make some progress. Definitely. And to the point, actually, that we discussed with my um, hematologist and next month, we're going to start tapering the methotrexate. Wow. Congratulations. That's exciting. Yeah. Yes. So your blood markers are good. Everything's going good. Everything's going good. There's, I don't have any, any episode without knowing 
Okay. What it was. Without recognizing, yeah, exactly, knowing knowing the reason. So yeah. now we feel confident we can slowly start. Plus, I was actually quite sick um, in November and December mm. with lots of uh, uh, yeah, lung infection and this and that. And my rheumatologist was like, well, look, you're already tapering, actually, because you can't even take it. <laughs> yeah, you're referring so now. Fine, you know? Yeah. You're referring to the Enbrel because the Enbrel can often be responsible for increased risk of infection. And so. Yes, but I also had several episodes of fever, so I had to stop my methotrexate. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> yes, I was very yes. low on the. Yes. I think methotrexate, I had to skip already. In, three, in two months, I had to skip methotrexate three or four times and to skip Enbrel five or six times. Wow. A weekly of Enbrel yeah. as well, yeah? Yes. Yes. So, okay. so my, my rheumatologist was really like, well, look, very good. You're already tapering, you know, so that gives, that should give you more confidence that you can do it. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Your rheumatologist sounds like quite a, uh, a, a character. Interesting. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Really. Well, yes. He's a researcher yes. in the rheuma field. He's supporting research on lifestyle medicine and he's really advanced on that. And there are, yeah. Is something. <laughs> yes, another topic. Okay, great. Well, what we might do is we might leave it there. We've uh, we've really, I, I feel, adequately covered this concept of prednisone and why it's not the, I don't refer to it as a rheumatoid arthritis drug. I don't see it as a rheumatoid arthritis drug. I see rheumatoid arthritis drugs are the ones that we're, that we're d- discussed only at the rheumatologist, which are the disease-modifying drugs of sulfasalazine and and uh, and your methotrexates, your plaquenils, these sort of things. I mean, these are immune modulating drugs, okay? And then we've yeah. got our biologic drugs uh, and a range of those, of course, that we all know. So those ones I consider to be suitable uh, if they're prescribed by the rheumatologist, suitable in terms of our parallel challenge of healing the gut. And I just see prednisone as this, as well, for all the reasons we've talked about, this this interfering mechanism in our attempts to heal. So if you're stuck on it, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast with Cecile. I hope you've taken some notes and maybe watch it back a few times to to, to motivate yourself to talk to your doctor and see whether or not you really should be upping one of the other medications which are more suitable. Or are you doing the Patterson program? Are you working on your diet? Are you exercising tremendously? Are you eliminating all your junk supplements that you don't need, like fish oils and these things that really are wasting your money and get on to some things that may actually be able to help you to suppress some inflammation in parallel to the the big ticket items, which your diet and exercise, and see whether or not you can make some progress in, in not being dependent on a steroid because you will see the benefits tremendously when you're over that steroid hill and on the other side, just like Cecile has done. And that is when healing can begin. Until you're off that steroid, you're spinning your wheels, you're going nowhere, you're doing all this hard work, but the steroid is holding you back. So that is the, uh, the message, I guess, in this, yeah, in this podcast. And as we've as we've also kept up as a theme throughout this podcast, we're not anti-medication. We're pro-progress. And if a medication, just like your rheumatologist said, is best to uh, is best to minimise and come off, 
as many do. I've had rheumatologists, I know of rheumatologists that say they don't prescribe prednisone at all because of its, its effects that we've talked about. We haven't even mentioned the osteoporosis that it creates. It stops vitamin D absorption. Yeah. And I didn't sit down and create the big list in front of me before. I used to have like something like a dozen, uh, a dozen list in my head of the prednisone challenges. We will talk about the three centimeter hole in my bone another time then, but definitely I think that was prednisone related. You developed a, a, a hole in one of your bones? Yeah. Okay. All right. And it's, it's very likely it's it's prednisone related. Right. Okay. All right. Well, might, we might get into that as we uh, cover another couple of topics with you. Over the next uh, couple of uh, podcast episodes, we're going to get into some very interesting stuff. Uh, our next one is going to be why diet alone just isn't going to cut it. Uh, so let's we can talk about that uh, in a future episode. For now, thanks, Cecile. You've been so great, uh, gracious in sharing your story and, and giving us those helpful information about how you got off prednisone. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.